ಸಹನಾವದು ಸಹನೋಭುನಕ್ತ ಸಹವೀರ್ಯಂಕರವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾ ವಿಷಾವಹೈ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ
corresponding result, if you perform the penance of the nature of concentration of mind, then you'll gain powers. And if you perform penance of the nature of deliberation upon the scriptures, then you'll gain knowledge. And if you do both of them, well, you get both. <coughs> then yet another point, that now you're saying that wise man need not have any powers. At the same time, you say that wise man is one who is beyond the uh, scope of injunctions and prohibitions. Meaning that the wise man is not obliged to conform to any codes of conduct or injunctions of the scriptures because those injunctions are meant for ignorant people who have identification with the body and therefore who have various notions about themselves. And wise man, as much as is free from such identification, doesn't have any notion about himself, therefore he is not within the scope of those injunctions and prohibitions of the scriptures. That means that he might act in a manner which may apparently, which may appear to others as transgressing the codes of conduct or injunctions of the scriptures. And you say that he is free from that endeavor, even though he appears to be transgressing, still he is not transgressing. From his standpoint he is not transgressing, he may be transgressing from the standpoint of others. For example, there is a law that you should drive on the right, and you also sometimes transgress that law. When you find that driving on the right itself is going to be to harm somebody, let us say, then you swerve on the left in order to save that, save the accident. So, to the one who goes by the letter, he would say that, see, you violated the law that you came into the left lane, or into the opposite lane, which you are not supposed to come, but you know that that's the way to do, because the purpose of driving on the right or left, or whatever it is, is to maintain harmony, safety. And therefore, that's the main purpose. So understand that when the scriptures give us various codes of conduct, the purpose is harmony, purpose is order. So speaking truth, non-violence, all of these is meant for an order in life, in order for harmony in life. And therefore sometimes there is an interpretation of what is meant by truth, what is meant by non-violence. What they call mercy killing and things like that may appear to be violence from somebody's standpoint and may not be considered violence by wise men. And therefore, very often, the one's behavior is subject to one's own interpretation. And we assume that the wise man knows the order, and therefore the way he interprets the situation is right, even though it may be not in conformity to the standard interpretation of some other people. And in that case, he will be subject to criticism, or censure, or condemnation. So, what will happen then? So, nothing will happen. He may be condemned by them. So those people who are righteous and they have condemned this wise man because apparently his behavior is not in conformity with the righteous behavior. But then these people who are righteous, they themselves are subject to ridicule by people who are not righteous, meaning people who are sense, you know, running after sense pleasures, even they will ridicule you. I'm sure the people who are living in this campus, you know, are also subject to ridic being ridiculed by other people. What are you doing here? What kind of a life you are leading? You mean you don't eat meat here? There is no, no drink, there is no television here, and you don't go to movies every day, you don't do this. You know, people can't imagine. How can you live like this? Looks like a very unnatural life, self-denial. So therefore they will laugh at you, ridicule you. But you know what you are doing and therefore it doesn't affect. So just as the people who are simply pleasure-seeking will criticize and, and ridicule the people who are observing certain disciplined life, 
Similarly, also those people who are observing discipline in life may also condemn one who appears to be in undisciplined, like a wise man, because he is not within the scope of any discipline. So that is not the criterion, that is okay, it can go on. <coughs> now continuing the discussion now, which is going to be concluded soon, in the verse 112, Etebi bhogatushtirtham vishayan sumpadayayuhu Let us say that, this seekers of knowledge, or those who are yatis, that means those who are monks, maybe they also may acquire food and shelter and clothes, etc., in sufficient quantity in order to satisfy their desire for pleasure. Bhogatushtyatham, maybe what you call a renunciate also, may have some desire for bhoga or enjoyment, and for that enjoyment, he might also procure some food and clothing and shelter. Then the answer is, so he, they also, if you say that, people who are seeking pleasures alone acquire it, I would say that even as an renunciate also may acquire because he also may wish to satisfy his desire for some pleasure. Tadatesham yatitvameva hiyeta. The answer is no. If you find a renunciate doing those kind of things, then that is not renunciation, you know. So this question is answered in a joking manner. So the answer is given in a joking manner in the verse 112. <coughs> Idea is how much liberty can you take? You see the point is that wise man takes liberty with the law and we give him the benefit of doubt because he knows better. He has a perception which ordinary people don't have, that's all. He lives in a, he has a different perception, Pashyavi. He sees not only this world, but he sees also that which is substrate on the world. And therefore his perception is perception of that order, and therefore his conduct is based on that overall perception, which ordinary person does not have, and therefore we may feel that his behavior is, is, is uh, unusual, or is not in conformity with the standard uh, rules and regulations, but that may be so. But then to what extent would you accept, give, would you take liberty? Suppose here is, is a wise man, a renunciate. You find him acquiring and accumulating all kinds of pleasures, etc. Is that also okay? Would you then not also condemn him? He says, well, if this is so, then you have to think. That's what he said in verse 112. Bhiksha vastra di rakshayuhu Bhiksha vastra di rakshayuhu Yadyete bhogatushtaye, yadyete bhogatushtaye, aho yatitvamete sham, aho yatitvamete sham, vairagya bharamantharam, vairagya bharamantharam. These questions arise again and again, these questions often arise, because we very often wonder about the, the code of conduct or behavior of many, many monks or many many saints, we wonder. They don't conform to any standard thing. There are many renunciates or many saints who even wear expensive clothes and stuff like they wear orange all right, but they may wear some very expensive material and sometimes even ornaments and things like that. You wonder what is all this? Or you find them, uh, you know, enjoying or at least participating or partaking in all kinds of pleasurable foods and things like that. We don't know whether that is proper or not. So here it is said that 
a renunciate is a renunciate. A wise man is definitely the renunciate par excellence. And therefore he has no need for bhoga or no need for pleasure. Atmaneva atmanatushtaha Since he derives total satisfaction from himself, by himself, there's no need for him to, to seek something for the sake of pleasure or satisfaction. Because he himself is source of all, all the pleasure and therefore he doesn't have to seek pleasure. Sometimes it happens that people come and give a lot of things. All right, fine. So this also is very common. That people very often go in and offer lots of even expensive things and food and ornaments to the wise men. There are some who are totally unconcerned. I mean, you know, there are stories. If you go to India, you'll hear all kinds of stories of some great Mahatma, great saint. Sometimes you see him wearing all expensive clothes and ornaments also. And next moment you see him completely naked with one copina only. What is it? He says, well, how do you do that? Somebody asked him. He says, well, these devotees came and they, uh, they offered it to this body. Fine, they have gone away. I have taken it out. That's it. Sometimes, you know, how people are, you know, they want to sanctify their ornaments. They some want to sanctify. So sometimes, these are the real stories that the wedding is to take place tomorrow. And in the wedding, the parents offer many ornaments to the bride, to their daughter. The idea is that when this daughter bride goes to the groom's home, because the girl goes to the, law, the home of the in-laws, and then they support her for the rest of the lifetime. Therefore, it is in order to compensate to some extent, therefore ornaments and dowry and things are given, so that she does not become a burden to the in-laws. This is the idea. So there are many customs when the uh, parents every year keep on supplying things to the to the daughter who is now with her in-laws just so that it, they, they, she does not become a burden to that family. And what is done by goodwill then becomes a law and then people start demanding and then the uh, husband demands from the wife, what did your parents send this year? They didn't do this and they did, you know, these kind of things go on. But anyway. Parents offer many ornaments to their daughter who then takes it to her in-laws in the new home. So sometimes in order to sanctify these ornaments, all these ornaments are brought the previous day to this Mahatma and offered to him, you wear this. He says, I don't care, you know. And therefore he wears all the, he, they, they put on all these ornaments on his body. Next morning they come and take them back. He says, okay, take it. So they have satisfaction that the ornaments are all sanctified. And therefore, it becomes prasada, which they give so that her, their daughter will be blessed. This is how it is. Once a funny thing happened, like this the previous day, some people came like this and offered lots of expensive ornaments to these wise men. And next morning, there were no ornaments when they came to recover them and take them back. So what happened? So I don't know. Last night, somebody came and took them away. Some thieves came the pre that night, you know, and they took away and he said, take it, you know, because they are not mine to begin with. <laughs> so very funny stories you hear about these Mahatmas, very funny stories. So sometimes we find it very difficult to understand the ways of the wise. It's not always easy to understand because they are in their own world. They are in a, in a world which is nistraigunye pasivichardam ko vidhi ko nishedaha. There is this... There is a hymn which says, Nistraigunye Pasivicharatam. Those people who walk on the path which is beyond the three gunas. This universe is made of three gunas, sattva, rajas and tamas. Traigunya Vishaya Vedaha. The world is made of three gunas. 
And so all the people, they function within the realm of these three gunas. But who is a wise man? Wise man is, is he abides in the self, who is beyond the three gunas. Nistregunne pasivichardam. So he doesn't walk on this path of the three gunas. He walks on the path which is beyond the three gunas. Ko vidhi ko nishedaha. Where is the vidhi and nishedha? Where is the injunction and prohibition? Injunctions and prohibitions are all applicable to the people who are within the realm of these three gunas, not to the wise men. And therefore we don't understand their ways all the time. And when we don't understand, then we may criticize them also because we think that, look, oh, look, he is so-called wise man, well, he does this and that and all kinds of stories. So devotees of these people have all kinds of stories of glorifying him. And the critics have all kinds of stories condemning him. This is true with everybody. But anyway, now here the question is, suppose we find a renunciate acquiring and, and storing food and clothing and shelter and things like that in order to derive satisfaction from them. It's one thing to acquire these things in order to sustain the body, sustain the journey of life is all right. But if you find someone having 56 Mercedes in, or, or, or Rolls Royce and stuff like that, you know, what do you, how do you interpret all these things? Well, he would say that the devotees have brought them, I have nothing to do with them, which may very well be true. But you wonder. So, you find some people wearing very expensive clothes and moving in very expensive cars and deliberately. Then you wonder very much. <coughs> but here the orthodox view is, Bhiksha vastradirakshayehu yadiyete bhogatushtaye If you find these renunciates accumulating and storing this bhiksha, meaning the food, Vastra, the clothes, the shelter and so on and so forth. Bhoga to stay for the sake of the pleasure. Aho yatitpamaitesham. Then what to talk of the renunciation? So he's just, you know, he's, uh, this is a satire, this is a, you know, so he's, he's laughing at this. What to talk of the renunciation of people who for the sake of their, for the sake of, sake of that pleasure are found to accumulate this food and shelter and clothes, etc. What to talk of the renunciation of these people? Vairagya bharamantharam So their renunciation has become very slow on account of the burden of vairagya or dispassion. Look, what to talk of the dispassion of these people? And their renunciation has become slow, mantharam, of slow movement. See, when a person has a big burden on the head, then the movement automatically becomes slow. So here, this is a jokingly it is being said that these renunciates who are found to indulge in pleasures and acquire materials for that purpose, we only have to say that their yatitvam or renunciation has become very slow, slow moving on account of the burden of dispassion. Meaning that it just shows a lack of dispassion. And therefore we would not call them yatis or renunciates if you find them doing this. That means that I mean, uh, no doubt there is the wise man has freedom. But then, if the freedom is found to be exercised in this manner, then we have to question their dispassion or renunciation <coughs> or wisdom, of course. And finally, another question: Vishayalampatehi, Pamareshche, Kriyamanya Anindya, Kriya Paranam Shistanam Handinasti Divchadetehet. Here a question is asked, you compare the censure to the wise man and you compare that censure to the censure of these people who are disciplined on the part of the people who are indulging. 
So Vishayalampadehi, those people who are always indulging in sensuous pleasures, Pamarishya and those people who are totally ignorant of the scriptures and therefore their life is not in conformity with the scriptural injunctions. Kriyamanaya nindaya kriyaparanam shishtanam hanirnasti Suppose this people condemn somebody who diligently follows the scriptural injunction, shishtana, meaning one who has sadachara, one whose achara or the conduct is in keeping with the scriptural injunctions. So, suppose these fellows who are sense, a pleasure oriented, pleasure seekers, if they criticize this person who is diligently following the injunctions of the scriptures, well, that fellow doesn't mind because these fellows will, sometimes they say, the dogs will keep on barking. See, in India we have stray dogs. <laughs> Therefore, very often when you go, when you're walking by, sometimes the stray dogs bark at you, you know. All right, let them bark, who cares? And similarly also, if there is a person who follows diligently the path of dharma or righteousness, and never follows all the injunctions of scriptures, very often he may be ridiculed or condemned by the people who are only seeking pleasure, and that he doesn't care. Therefore, you cannot compare, the question is, you cannot compare this disciplined man with a wise man who takes liberty. It says, well, tarhi deha bhi kriya parehi vidopi nahanihi. I mean, the same idea was given in verse 111. That same idea seems to be repeated in verse 113. That similarly also, the so-called disciplined people or the people, the, uh, people who are committed to dharma, committed to righteousness, committed to what is proper, righteous according to the scriptures, even they also have, they have himana meaning, identification of the body. When you always cross all the T's and dot all the I's, that is called a dharmatma, a righteous man, who does everything as is supposed to be done. That shows some complex on his part also. Complex that, he has the identification of the body, he takes himself to be so and so, and therefore he is afraid of sin, he is afraid of transgressing the law because he may incur some sin and therefore some kind of a uh, negative effect. Therefore he wants to make sure that what he does is in conformity with the scripture so that he doesn't uh, involve, in, invite any punishment. Wise man is not concerned about punishment because he is beyond all that. Therefore a wise man also will not mind if these people criticize him. The same point that is being said in the verse 113. Varnashramaparan mudhaha Varnashramaparan mudhaha Nindan twityuchyate yadi Nindan twityuchyate yadi Dehatma matayo buddham Dehatma matayo buddham Nindan twashramamaninaha Nindan twashramamaninaha Muraha varanashrama paran nindantu iti uchyadeyadi If you say that muraha meaning this, the stupid people, the people who do not follow the injunctions of the scriptures and if they criticize or ridicule the people who are following the righteous path if that is what you say Dehatum atayo buddham nindantu ashramaninaha In the same manner ashramaninaha those people who have identification with their Ashrama, meaning Brahmacharya, Grahastha, Vanaprastha, identification of the body. Therefore, those people who are entertaining the idea that I am a Brahmana, I am a Kshatriya, I am a Grahastha, and therefore they follow a certain righteous way. If they criticize a wise man who is beyond that, 
it doesn't make any difference at all. Prasangikam <coughs> Parisamapya. Now this discussion that was taken up by the way, because questions arise on the by the way, and therefore these questions were dealt with. Prasangikam Parisamapya. In the next verse, the author now concludes this discussion which just came up occasionally. Prakritam Anusarati. And now takes up the thread of the topic under discussion. <coughs> you see, this discussion started actually in the verse 87. That is where this discussion started. The discussion was a comparison between a meditator upon Brahma and the knower of Brahma. What is the difference between them? The one who knows Brahma as a self and one who meditates upon Brahma as a self, what is the difference between the two? That is how the discussion came. Because one who meditates must always focus his mind upon the object of meditation. And therefore he is generally not available to do other things. So such a person who is totally devoted to meditation, suppose that person performs a vyavahara, then also he will perform it only superfluously because his mind is committed to something else. I am Brahma, I am Brahma. Shivoham, 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 I am Shiva, Soham, Soham, Soham. Then he keeps on dwelling on, uh, repeating in his mind. Not only repeating these words, but repeating even though that thought is constantly repeated. He is meditator. An idea is more you repeat and more you focus your mind and more identified you become and therefore more, I mean, you become one with your object of meditation. So, idea of meditation is that you keep on constantly doing it. And as we said, mind is such a material that if you keep on repeat one idea, then mind, auto, that idea becomes stronger and stronger and the mind has a tendency to automatically assume the form of that idea. Like, you know, like uh, making a little channel, like even on the stone also, if you make a scratch, another scratch, a third scratch, a fourth scratch. In course of time, there will be a groove there. And then when water flows, it will have a tendency to flow through that groove. And similarly also in your mind, you keep on scratching. Soham, Soham, that I am. Shivoham, Shivoham, I am Shiva, I am Shiva. You keep on repeating this thought in your mind. Then every thought makes a little scratch. And in course of time a groove is formed and the mind automatically flows in that groove and that thought then keeps on repeating. This is the nature of mind. And this nature of mind is what is taken advantage of in the process of meditation. <coughs> so it was said that a person who is meditating upon Brahma as a self will have his attention mainly on the meditation therefore even if he performs this day-to-day -day activity it will be only performed in a superfluous manner and not with any great deal of attention. Like a, like a person, like a, like a woman who is in love with somebody, who is elsewhere. And that woman always thinks of her lover and therefore even if she does her household work, that household work will be done only superfluously because her mind is there. On the other hand, there is another woman who is devoted to household work. She will do it thoroughly because whole of our attention is available. These examples were given. And these examples were given as a comparison between the meditator and the wise man. 
And since a meditator is all the time dwelling upon Brahma, 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 like a lover meditates upon the beloved, and therefore that meditator's mind is not available for doing these activities, and therefore he will only do it superfluously. Whereas a wise man doesn't have to repeat that idea because the self is Brahman. And therefore, there is no need for wise man to focus his mind on repeating that idea. And therefore, wise man's mind is totally available to perform whatever activity he or she perform, he performs. And therefore, he will be very thorough in performance of the activity. This was said. Evam dhyanikanishtobi leshad Thus, the one who is committed to meditation will perform his laukika karma or his day-to-day activities only in a superfluous manner. Tattvavittu avirodhitvat laukikam samyagacharet On the other hand, Tattvavitt or the wise man, he performs his task very well because the knowledge is not opposed to performance of action. In one case, meditation is opposed to action, uh, outer action, because meditation also is an action. It is a mental action. And mind can perform only one action at a time, meaning mind can pay attention only one action at a time. So if you are paying your attention to meditation, which is an mental action, then your attention is not much available to performance of action externally. On the other hand, knowledge is not action. Knowledge is something that is self-shining. And therefore, Wise man doesn't have to make an effort to keep his knowledge alive because he is the self, he is Brahman, the self is Brahman. Therefore his mind is totally available to do what is to be done. Therefore he performs his attack actions very well. All this was said at that time. Because the wise man has his knowledge, Maya prapanchoyam, Atma Chaitanya Rupadhuk. The vision of the wise man is the whole prapancha of the universe is Maya meaning Mithya. Atma alone, who is consciousness, is true, real. And therefore, when the Mithyatvanishya is there, when the wise man knows that the world is Mithya, and therefore, that's all there is to be known. And therefore, he is able to perform his action as he has to perform. Because performance of action does not require that the world should be real. Like an actor performs his role very effectively, knowing fully well that his role is Mithya. He is not a real beggar, he is an imaginary beggar. And still he is able to do justice to his role because he does not lose, the, lose his identity while he acts as a beggar. He doesn't forget himself. In fact, he can act as a beggar very effectively, more effectively. Music, you know, in India. In India, there is always background music for everything. And beggars also sing, everybody sings there, you know. There are songs for everything. <laughs> so beggar also will sing and then everybody will sing. And therefore, this fellow has all the aid of all the music director and everything. And therefore, an actor in fact plays his role much better than even a regular beggar. Because he knows that this begging is mithya. In fact, by performing the role as a beggar, he'll be richer, you know. The thing is... He will be much richer by performing the role of a beggar because he's going to get money paid for it. And so just as an actor, he knows that what he's doing is mithya or unreal, that knowledge of mithyato, the vyavahara, is not opposed to performance of his action. So also wise man knows the vyavahara is mithya, but that the knowledge of mithyatvam is not opposed to, does not obstruct his performance of action. He can perform his actions very well. Because what do you require for action? 
You require the objects of the world. And you require organs of perception, your organs of action, and you require your mind. And all of these things remain in spite of wisdom. And therefore, whatever is necessary to perform the action is all available to the wise man. And therefore, he effectively performs his actions. So the knowledge that the world is mithya does not in any way come in the way of effective performance of activity. <coughs> this is how the actions of wise men were talked about and then some other questions came and they were all answered. Now this discussion is brought back here in the verse 114. It says here Tattva <coughs> Vignane Sadhana Nupamardanad Sadhana Nupamardanad Jnanina Charitum Shakyam Jnanina Charitum Shakyam Samyagrajyadi Laukikam Samyagrajyadi Laukikam That means Tasmat Karana Because of that reason Itham Uktena prakarena tattva vijnana sati. For that reason, inasmuch as that the wise man has the knowledge of the reality of the self and mithyatam or unreality of everything else, since he abides in that knowledge, and also just because you know the world to be mithya does not mean that the world perishes for you, just as there is mirage water, you perceive the mirage water. An ignorant person would think that there is real water, an animal would think that it is real water and may run after that. Whereas a human being knows that this is mirage water and therefore doesn't run after that. But knowing mirage water is mithya does not in any way uh, destroy, the, eliminate the perception. You continue to perceive the mirage water even when you know it to be mithya. Like you know that the sky is not blue. That blue color, sky, doesn't have, there is no such thing as sky, and a tangible entity. And therefore, there is no substance there which can be colored blue. And so a scientist knows that the blue color is mithya. And still, you continue to perceive the blue color because perception is there. A student of science also knows that the sun does not rise and sun does not set. It is earth that revolves around the sun and not the other way around. And still you continue to perceive the sun rising and setting. The idea is that the knowledge of mithyatam does not in any way destroy the, the thing. It just destroys your notion. That's all. Knowledge only destroys ignorance and a notion born of ignorance. Knowledge does not destroy a thing. Knowledge does not bring a, a, a destruction to anything that you know. And that being the case, and therefore, since the mind and the speech and the sense organs and all that equipment that you require for performance of action remains, sadhana anupamardhanat, laukika vyavahara sadhananam, manadinam avilapanat. For performance of this day-to-day -day activity, the kind of means, the tools that you require, that namely your organs of perception, organs of action, mind and whatever, all of these are there still, in spite of knowing them to be mithya, they continue to remain. Gnyanina charitum shakyam. Therefore, for a wise man, it is possible to perform samyagrajyadilaukikam. A wise man may even perform such act as 
leading the whole country. Rajyadi, he can be even a king and perform all the tasks that are necessary of a king. So here is reference to a very famous wise man in India whose name was Janaka, King Janaka. He was known as Janaka Videha. Videha, Deha means body and Videha means one who is without the body. So he was known as Janaka Videha, King Janaka and his reference comes very often in the Bruhadaranika Upanishad. There are very famous dialogues between King Janaka and Sage Yagnyavalkya. And King Janaka asks question and Sage Yagnyavalkya then unfolds, teaches him. So very beautiful dialogues are there in Bruhadaranika Upanishad. And apart from that, King Janaka also finds his mention in many other texts, like in Ramayana. There is a text called uh, uh, Ashtavakra Gita, where a sage Ashtavakra gives Upadesha or teaching to King Janaka. So King Janaka was known to be a wise man and still was also known to be performing all his tasks, kingly or royal tasks. He was performing the tasks of running the whole kingdom. So how can he do that? Well, he knew that this king, in fact there is a story about this king Janaka. That there was a great sage Vasishtha. And these sages used to come because King Janaka had many such sages and scholars in his kingdom. And therefore these other sages used to come. And he would invite them, he would respect them and he would, you know, and then he would take advantage of their wisdom. So it is said that once uh, on the outskirts of the city of Mithila, who, of which king was, or Janaka was king, on the outside the city, somewhere perhaps in a garden or in a forest, in a hermitage, some classes were going on. Sage Vasishta used to conduct regular classes, let us say, or teaching to various people. King Janaka every morning used to come to listen, to attend the class. And many other sages and renunciates also used to come to attend the classes. And this is how Sage Vasishta was teaching them the scriptures. And these people, other people were complaining. They thought that the teacher Vasishta seems to pay more attention to King Janaka and not to us. Even though we are renunciates and then you know, we have renounced everything and still this teacher, this you know, does not seem to consider us as good or as, uh, you know, as qualified as Janaka, who is a king, he has not renounced anything. The king has not renounced anything, he lives in the palace and he seems to be uh, going through the life like a king. So he has not renounced anything and still, Sage Vasishta seems to pay more attention to him and therefore, these people were grumbling and they complained also to the teacher. This is a common problem from the time beginning less. That disciples feel, you know, that somebody is more important, somebody is less important, and stuff like that. Anyway, so they complain, and then, okay, well, sister, the teacher heard this complaint. One morning when the classes were going on, all of a sudden there was a big uproar. What happened? Look, fire, fire, fire. They looked back, and the city was visible from this place, and they found that the whole city was on fire. And that fire was approaching ultimately to the place where they were. So all these renunciates, all of these fellows, you know, they were helter and skelter, started running around. What happened? Wait a minute. I have my little kutia here and therefore let me see. You know, there is one kaupina there. <laughs> he should save that because it may be consumed by fire. All these fellows are running around to save their few little belongings. 
and King Janaka was sitting there and he did not even move and later on he says, well, how come your city is on fire and still you are unperturbed and there is a famous statement King Janaka said that well the fire is in Mithila in that Nagari in that, in that city that let it be there I, I have nothing to do with that I have nothing to do with that fire or the city that is on fire let it be so I am here doing what I have to do that shows a total detachment of this king from all his apparent possessions therefore he was a renunciate in the true sense and all those other renunciates heard this and they were put to shame ultimately fire subsided because it was only an illusion created by sage Vasishta just for you know for giving them a lesson <coughs> so this is how famous this king Janaka was and therefore he is highly revered and he was a apparently a householder a king in India therefore people always ask this question Swamiji is it necessary that you must renounce in order to gain this knowledge so generally speaking so when, but King Janaka did not renounce and he still gained he was still a wise man so they don't want to renounce the idea is that they want to hang on to all their pleasures and still want to gain this knowledge and for that they quote King Janaka we say that that king is more an exception than a rule you know and therefore if you think that you are King Janaka fine you may also not renounce it but he was renunciate he was the greatest renunciate because renunciation is not an action or renunciation is not a lifestyle renunciation is something which is there in the mind which he had and so <coughs> there is a reference to him when the author says here Jnana charitum shakyam samyag rajyadi laukikam that for a wise man it is possible to very well perform the tasks of a king also because he knows all these tasks to be there because they are required and he responds to the situation but he is totally unattached but whatever is required to perform the action all those things are there and therefore the knowledge does not in any way come in the way of his effective performance of his tasks or duties <coughs> this is how the topic which was started way back is concluded here by some meandering discussions which were required because some questions arose by the way and those questions were also answered and then the topic was to show the difference between a wise man and a meditator so one who is meditating upon Brahma he is of one kind and one who knows the self is Brahma he is of a different kind to show that difference thereby to reveal the nature of knowledge as well as to reveal the nature of upasana or meditation this discussion was undertaken <coughs> and now that discussion is continued nanu tattva vidaha prapancha mithyatva jnanena tatra ichhayava naudiyadiruchet tarhi but suppose for a wise man you are talking about king janaka lord krishna also was like that rama also was like that and so vasishta also there are many sages by the way all these great rishis vasishta and all of these rishis Atri, all of them were householders, and all of them were married, by the way. And therefore, in India today, everybody will trace his ancestry to one or the other Rishi. Therefore, all these people are called Rishi Putra, meaning they are all the progeny of the Rishis or sages. 
So all these, most of these sages were in fact married. And uh, so that is also another contention. That look, all of our sages, they never renounced, they were always married and they were still wise and enlightened. Why is it necessary to have this renunciation? This question comes. Except the sages, you, in order for you to remain in the midst of temptations and still be totally free from them requires much greater self-control and much greater uh, dispassion than what it requires to to remain, uh, I mean, you know, to, to be free from them by creating a distance between them. <coughs> but anyway, the question here is that, suppose there is a wise man who is not interested in performing these tasks. You quoted Janaka and other people who were performing their tasks effectively. But suppose there is a wise man who is not interested in performing his tasks. So he knows everything to be mithya. He knows that it doesn't make any difference what you do. So you, kind, you find two kinds of people. Wise people also can be broadly divided into two categories. One set of people who are extremely active. Another set of people are resigned. One people are active because they are, they are motivated by and they are uh, under compulsion because of the compassion that they feel for the people. And they were, they are driven by that compassion to do things. So somebody like Jesus Christ will be extremely active, driven by compassion and many sages and saints. But then there is other variety also where this wise man knows the whole world to be mithya. Mithya means unreal. It doesn't matter what you do in unreal world. Suppose you have built a palace or a, out of cars, you know, from the playing cars, the children make palace. You, do they make it here? The playing cars, you, you arrange them like this in, in triangle, you know, like this, one after that. And then you build up and thus you have a castle with seven stories. So there is a castle made of playing cards. For a child it is very important. For an elder person it is nothing. You know there is a castle made of cards. And therefore what does it matter whether it is seven stories or eight stories? You know children make these little palaces. And then he makes a house, you know, from cars and tells daddy, Dad, this is your room. Mom, this is your room. And this is my room. You are not supposed to come there, you know. So whatever he does not get here, he gets all in, his, in the house that he makes. This is my garage and this is my car and so forth and so on. And fine, you play with him also. You also help him build that stuff. But then the mom or the dad knows very well that this is uh, Mithya. So somebody maybe is all right for the sake of child, you may spend half an hour with him, somebody says, forget it, I am not interested because he knows it is Mithya. So whether you add one story here or whether you add one garage there, it's all Mithya and therefore it doesn't make any difference. Therefore somebody may not be interested in any Laukika Vyavahara, any Vyavahara or these this tasks, uh, worldly activities. So there are some who just are totally are detached. They don't even, they only remain in the forest or they remain totally detached from all this Vyavahara and there was no connection. Suppose there is a wise man who is just not interested in any of these activities. What about him? Doesn't matter. Just because he does not perform action, that also does not deny him the wisdom. Whether to act or not to act is, is, is unconnected to the wisdom. It is simply depends upon the prarabdha or depends upon the disposition with which the person has come in this world. Ramana Maharshi was a great sage he never left his place. 
he went to a mount, a small mount called Arunachalam. And I think for uh, as many as uh, 54 years or something like that, he lived there. At the age of 16 he went there. And I think he died at the age of 70 or something like that. For all those years he lived there only. He never left that place. And there are many saints today and many Mahasadhus who are in the Himalayas, who are the bank of Ganges, they would never leave that place. We don't want to go anywhere. And so people may even criticize them. Look, these fellows are selfish. They only are interested in their own knowledge and they don't do anything about the world, etc. But they don't care because they know that doing something about the world doesn't make any difference. It's all mitya, you rearrange and things this way or that way, doesn't make any difference. In any case, these people are blessing to the world regardless. It is not that you can serve the world only by doing something ex at the external level. The very presence of these people is a blessing. The very presence is a blessing. And therefore, they need not outwardly do anything. Even their very being, it is a blessing. So when he even thinks, Sarve Bhavantu Sukhinaha, may everybody be happy. Sarve Santu Niramaya, may everybody be healthy. Sarve Bhadrani Pashyantu, may everyone see the auspiciousness. Mahakasit Dukkha Bhagavad, may nobody have any pain or suffering. Even his very thought is much more effective than hundred fellows doing all kinds of things because he is, he is a wise man. And therefore, if you find somebody who is disinterested in his activities, knowing fully well the futility of that, and therefore if you find him totally detached or unconnected or disinterested, that also is okay. Let him behave or let him conduct himself in accordance with his own destiny or his own prarabdha. Even for a wise man who is very active, that activity also is determined by the destiny. And if another wise man is not active, that inactivity also is determined by the destiny. Shankaracharya says, Prarabdhaya samarpitam svavapuhu. Who is a wise man? One who is offered his body, one who is offered himself to prarabdha or to the altar of destiny. That he does not have any sankalpa or any kind of a resolve or demand of his own, the destiny takes care of him. Like a leaf, a dry leaf that falls from the tree, is carried by the current of wind, and so also the wise man's life is also carried by the current of prarabdha or destiny. He does not interfere with the destiny. So destiny may make him act, you know, may make him a very active person. Or destiny may make him a person who just is sitting in a corner without doing anything. Either way it's okay because they are not doing anything anyway. There's no kartrutva or the sense of doership in the wise person. Therefore, whether the body is active or not, or the mind is active, depends upon the disposition of the mind. So says here in the verse 115, Mithyatva buddhya tatrecha Mithyatva buddhya tatrecha nasti Dhyayan vathavyavaharan Dhyayan vathavyavaharan Yatharabdham vasatvayam Yatharabdham vasatvayam Mithyatva buddhya tatrecha nasti dichet if you say that a wise man doesn't have any interest or any inclination to perform any activities, worldly activities, because he knows everything to be mithya or unreal, if this is so then what will happen to him? Tarhi Mastuta, let it be so. 
सपोज इज नॉट इंक्लाइन टू डू एनीथिंग लेट इम नॉट बी इंक्लाइन टू डू एनीथिंग ध्यान व्यवहार सो देर मे बी समूज वेरी एक्टिव देर इज समूज ऑल द टाइम सिटिंग इन मेडिटेशन और क्वाइटली और कॉन्टेम्पलेटिंग डजेंट मैटर वॉट दे डू वेद समज बिजी परफॉर्मिंग लॉट्स ऑफ एक्टिविटीज और देर इज समूज विथ हिमसेल्फ एंड देर क्वाइटली कॉन्टेम्पलेटिंग और मेडिटेटिंग यथा आरब्धम वसतु अयम वॉट एवर बी द प्रारब्ध वॉट एवर बी डेस्टिनिंग accordingly let him live so let him spend his time as determined by the destiny because he does not determine anything anywhere whatever sankalpas or whatever desires arise in his mind are the desires placed in his mind by god meaning by the totality since he doesn't have any individual demands he doesn't remain this body doesn't remain his property anyway he's a public property so for a wise man they talk about prarabdha the destiny इच्छा प्रारब्धम अनिच्छा प्रारब्धम अन्यच्छा प्रारब्धम डेस्टिनी ऑफ द फेट इच्छा प्रारब्धम टू फुलफिल इज ओन डिजायर्स पर हैव टू सस्टेन द बॉडी एक्सेट्रा और अनिच्छा प्रारब्धम समटाइम्स डिजीज एंड अदर अदर थिंग्स कम वेदर वन डिजायर्स आर नॉट और अन्यच्छा प्रारब्धम अवाइज मैन में परफॉर्म लॉट्स ऑफ एक्टिविटीज बिकॉज देर इज अ डिमेंड फ्रॉम अदर्स Others, other people demand that he should do a given thing, and therefore he finds himself responding to the demands or the needs of the society. And therefore, what kind of a prarabdha one has, that it varies with people. And therefore, dhyanva asavyavaharan. Maybe one person may spend his time meditating, or vyavaharan one may spend his time in in performing, being active. Yatha arabdham vasudu. Let it be what it is. It doesn't matter. Whether wise man is active or not active. <coughs> okay, we'll continue tomorrow. Om Purnamadav Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vasishyade. शाति 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 शंकर शंकराचार्य केशव बादरायण सूत्रभाष्यकृत वंदे भगवतनशरो गुरुरात्मे मूर्तिद विभागिने व्योमद्याप्तहाय दक्षिणामूर्त नम ओ शाते शाते शाति हरि ओ श्रीगुरुभ्यो नम हरि ओ